icons. Did you ever watch True Blood? I was obsessed. I thought the men on that show, Alexander Skarsgård, Ryan Quanton, I was in love with him when that show was airing. And I thought it was just so good. And so that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the new season of the Truest Blood podcast. The Truest Blood podcast is fantastic. If you haven't listened before, it's hosts Kristen Bauer and Deborah Ann Wall, who rewatch and tell true stories from the set of HBO's iconic series, True Blood. They discuss the episodes, the blood, both fake and real, and all the sexy bites in between. And this season of the podcast, they cover seasons three and four of True Blood, uh, where there's more werewolves, witches, and vampire royalty on the show. Plus, they have really great people who worked behind the scenes of the show coming on and talking about the show. Lots of that to come. I think we're all pop culture junkies here. And one of the things that I love about pop culture is seeing how the sausage is made. And so I think that's why we're all going to be so excited to listen to the Truest Blood podcast. So check it out. uh, And also check out the show True Blood. Watch all episodes of True Blood on Max and listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Are you looking for ways to be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative? Gretchen Rubin is the number one bestselling author of The Happiness Project, and every week she shares insights and practical solutions in the Happier with Gretchen Rubin podcast. Gretchen's co-host and happiness guinea pig is her sister Elizabeth Kraft, a Hollywood showrunner. Join Gretchen and Elizabeth as they reveal fresh insights from cutting-edge science, ancient wisdom, pop culture, and their own experiences about cultivating happiness and good habits. Every week, they offer a manageable try-this-at-home tip you can use to boost your happiness without spending a lot of time, energy, or money. Suggestions such as follow the one-minute rule, choose a one-word theme for the year, or design your summer. They also feature segments like Know Yourself Better, where they discuss questions like, are you an overbuyer or underbuyer, a morning person or night person? Abundance lover or simplicity lover. And every episode includes a happiness hack, a quick, easy shortcut to more happiness. Listen and follow Happier with Gretchen Rubin, an Odyssey podcast. Available now, free on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. It's not worth it to hold it in. But it's easy for me to be vulnerable. It is. And I know it's not as easy for, like, others. Not easy for... Well, yeah. Or this one Yeah, both of them. No pressure, Meredith and Lisa. I know you need time. Point is, like, pass the conj. (laughs) No pressure, but reveal your deepest, darkest secrets immediately on camera or else... Hello, everyone. Welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. That was a clip from this week's Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. The season's only on episode three, and it's delivering week after week after week after week. And I can't even wait to see where we end up. That uh, preview from the trailer of the lingerie fight is happening in episode three. Normally, housewives make us wait till the end of the season for that. Remember the Beverly Hills uh, trailer for this season? All the good stuff happened at the end of the season, but not Salt Lake City. They're like, here we are, lights up in 1998 Scottsdale, Arizona house. And we're having drama already. So we're going to be covering it all because I'm going to mention it all. We're going to be talking about this week's Salt Lake City. But before we do, I do want to just quickly say, uh, rest in peace to Angela Lansbury, a queen, an icon, and a legend. And I just want to read something that I saw on Twitter because I love Angela Lansbury. Of course, from Murders She Wrote, and she was the voice of Mrs. Potts in Beauty and the Beast, a legendary role. But Emmy Potter, who's uh, someone who's great to follow on Twitter, we love Emmy, but she wrote, Murder, She Wrote, along with Golden Girls, helped audiences see older women as glamorous, sexy, funny, industrious, confident, capable, and three-dimensional people instead of disposable once they reached age 50+. Jessica Fletcher slash Angela Lansbury was the blueprint. And so I just wanted to say that because I do think that it was an important time, uh, the early 90s, the late 80s, especially for women over 50. And we often talk about the housewives and how they're one of the few places on TV where we see women over 50 being complicated characters and individuals and dealing with death, divorce, marriage, kids, work, businesses, all sorts of things. And so I really think that uh, Emmy was spot on when she said that uh, Murder, She Wrote, Golden Girls, some of those early uh, series on television really were the blueprint for a lot of these housewives that we watch, as well as so many other things and complicated female dynamics on television. So 
Rest in peace to a queen, an icon, and a legend. And honestly, that performance from Beauty and the Beast, I know it's like maybe even a little cliche to say. I love, of course, her work that she did with B. Arthur. B. Arthur has this one-woman show she did where she sings, and she and Angela Lansbury were friends. But uh, my best friend Jill and I, we always used to love listening to B. and Angela because we were like their best friends. And so, anyway, I just... Uh, where was I out there? I just wanted to say that, and it might even be cliche, but the Beauty and the Beast Tales All the Time performance is one of the best vocal performances of all time. And I think oftentimes voiceover artists in uh, in Disney movies, they don't get the credit they deserve for how good they are. And that particular performance was just incredible. Incredible. Anyway, all of that said, let's dive into the real house of Salt Lake City. Now, we ended last week, of course, in that 1998 house in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, with Whitney Wilde Rose revealing her abuse. She said she's been on a hilling journey. <laughs> Not laughing at the abuse, I'm laughing at the healing instead of healing. She's been on a healing journey. And last week, they gave us this, what I thought was like a red herring, where they were going to have Heather Gay being like, I don't believe the abuse. But it actually turned out the opposite, where Heather Gay was like, actually, how do you? How did you recover this memory? How did you figure it all out? She's asking Whitney all these questions. She says she's so broken and hurt by this information. And I thought Heather was going to be skeptical of the information, but it was the exact opposite. But Whitney says, you know, this is how Whitney explained how she found out the information. She said, you know, how you have fillings? <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why Whitney's Utah accent, because I talked about this last week on the show, and people pointed out that Whitney just has a very aggressive Utah accent. And I say that as someone with a very aggressive Cleveland accent. You know, my A's come out really hard sometimes. But Whitney's hilling, fillings, like the the changing the E E to the I just makes it makes me laugh. And I've been so focused on it this season. And I don't think I've ever noticed once. This is the first time where all of a sudden I'm like noticing every time Whitney Rose, wild fucking Rose talks, she's like hilling, fillings and <laughs> So, so stupid, but it's cracking me up and it's making me laugh even more. I'm getting like the church giggles because she's talking about these like really serious abuse allegations and stuff. And like, I feel bad for all of that. But she's like, I'm healing from my feelings. <laughs> it's like so stupid. <laughs> I know it's so wrong. It's so wrong of me, but I can't help it. Anyway, Heather says that the wind like literally left her lungs. She said her heart is breaking. They're totally making it seem like uh, it was one thing, but now we see that Heather actually feels really bad for her dear cousin, although she doesn't feel bad for long because at that garbage or lingerie party, woo! Some feuding cousins at that garbage or lingerie party, which by the way, which, by the way, that whole party was fucking nuts, and I can't wait to discuss it because I have so many thoughts on those outfits they were wearing. The fact that they're just wearing these house outfits in a household with women. And by the way, this is when I wish Mary was still around because what I would give to see what Mary would have worn to the garbage or lingerie party. Little girl. Where there's no one even there. It's just the gals in a camera crew, five women. And I just thought, like, imagine that. I mean, I've gone on girls trips and stuff with a handful of people. And I can't imagine us all dressing in dominatrix outfits like lingerie. <laughs> so stupid. I love it. I love it. Anyway, uh, so Whitney tells all the gals they need to be vulnerable now. She says, no pressure, Meredith and Lisa, but you need to be vulnerable. You got to do it. And so then Lisa apologizes again. She said that whole thing where she called uh, Meredith Garbature behind the mic. She said it was being hyperbolic. Hyperbolic? Am I saying that name right? Now I might, now I can't pronounce the word. Anyway, she says, Meredith, all I can say is I'm deeply sorry. And Meredith's like, well, I never fully trusted you and now I know why. And Lisa says in her confessional that she didn't just make up the rant. Okay. This is the smoking gun. This is the whole thing that I'm interested in talking about because Lisa says that everything that she said behind the door wasn't something that just came to mind. She said in the confessional this week that it wasn't stuff she made up. So like, what did she mean by that? Did she mean, uh, what did she mean? I don't know. There's a lot of other instances, Meredith says, that Lisa was talking shit about her. Apparently it was a tale as old as time, if you will. Tale as old as time. Tale as old as time for friends calling each other garbage whores fucking half New York behind the, behind the door. 
behind the door of a cast trip. Apparently, it's tales of time because Meredith said she heard of Lisa doing this a lot. She said it's happened to other instances. And Lisa, there were not. It was a one-time thing. And Meredith is trying to say something, but she's talking, again, at a speed of a snail because <laughs> Meredith was trying to get something out. And Lisa did keep interrupting, but I was on Lisa's side, even though I don't like an interrupter because it was like, Meredith, you need to spit it out. She was just talking so slow. She's like, I've heard of other things where you said this. And it's like, spit it out, Mayor, because uh, anyone's going to interrupt you. I was ready to drive up to that 1998 household. If I would have had a DeLorean, I would have hopped in it to get in that 1998 Scottsdale house so that I could have interrupted Meredith because it was going too slow. Like, speed it up. We don't, we only got 42 minutes of this show. I mean, she, Meredith's talking sometimes as if we got a double length episode. And last week they did expand the episode. And I believe that was largely due to Meredith's speed talking because it was happening at a very slow pace. And I'm just saying when you're on camera, sometimes you need to speed it up, gals. You just, uh, we don't have all the time in the world. So you can't talk in circles. You need to get out your point and move on because we got 44 minutes. And then we got commercial breaks. They got to do the commercials where we have our uh, women uh, hawking the movies that are coming out. You know, they're doing those commercials where they're seeing the movies. Dorit, Crystal, and Sutton got to promote Don't Worry Darling. Like, these are the commercials that we have to have in between these, uh, in between the scenes of the episodes. So they got to pay the bills, keep the lights on at Bravo. So, Meredith, we need you to speed it up. I'm sorry to say. Love me some air. But Lisa was interrupting. I thought rightfully so. But then Lisa really lost me because she's like, I'm not going to slip my wrists. And then Jen is like, uh, so you, like, you know what the problem is when Jen's like the voice of reason? And then she, she, Jen has to interrupt one of the other gals and be like, uh, you're actually doing something inappropriate. And that's when I really start to laugh because it's like Jen Shaw, of course, she's got to be the voice of reason on this show. And she tells Lisa, hey, like Meredith has a family member who's trying to commit suicide. And Lisa's just like, oops. Learning you were wrong. <laughs> Lisa's oops, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I mean, I'm laughing because it's all so ridiculous. This whole episode to me, I think this was one of the greatest comedies. Uh, and I, it was so cringe. Like every moment of this episode was so incredibly cringe. And I love that sort of cringy humor. So I just thought it was flawless. But I mean, definitely I understood why Meredith was like, uh, Lisa and all the gals were like, maybe Lisa, you should use your verbiage a little differently. Like don't say something about slit and wrist because, and then Lisa don't even know what to say. She's just like, oops. And then it all shifts because the, the best, the best trait of a housewife, I believe, is when things are happening with other people and then the housewife has to turn the conversation around and make it about themselves. Those, to me, are like the best housewives, right? When there's one fight going on and then you could see the other woman who's not involved in the fight and they're sitting at the end of the dinner table and just thinking, how can I make the tension on me now? And that's exactly what happened with Jen Shaw. She was sitting there. The conversation was between Meredith and Lisa. And then Jen just all of a sudden shouts out. She's like, I wouldn't be here without my husband's kids and faith. And she, she says, I hope no one here goes through what I'm going through. This whole thing puts it into perspective. She turned that table. One thing about them tables, they about to turn. She turned them. And then Heather and Lisa, they're like, amen, Jen Shaw. And I just love Jen Shaw. The voice of reason, making it about herself. She's getting the best room at this 1998 house. And it's, it's shocking to me because she's the one who's bamboozled the elderly. And yet this is what's happening. And so it's just crazy to me. Everything about this show is not something that you could script. Sometimes I feel like them other franchises, you could maybe script it a little bit. Like you can almost imagine how it's going to happen. But this one, I'm like, there's no way any writers could sit down and write this episode because it's too fucking batshit insane. <laughs> to, write, to write these women, and I love them. I love them. Anyway, Meredith says at the end of this dinner table or whatever, this was still the shaman night, or as Meredith said, the shaman. What did she call the shaman last week? Shaman. <laughs> uh, but this was still that night when they had the cacao, and uh, we're still on night one. We haven't even entered night two. And Meredith ends it by saying, I hear your apology. Thank you, but we're not at a resolution. And then Whitney says, well, should we burn something? You know, Whitney's just into the the hippy-dippy. She's like, what should we burn? Where's the cacao powder? Like, let's get it moving. Then we wake up day two. They label it day two. Day two. I love when we get that timestamp. We're only on day two and we've already gotten so much. 
These gals are clocking in this season. They're clocking in, and Jen's waking everyone up with that fucking air horn. She's just like wanting to have a good time. Good time gal, Jen Shaw. Meanwhile, Meredith and Jen have glam teams. And Heather's like, why the fuck do you have glam teams here in Arizona? Like, first of all, the only person I think they've really seen are the, who have they seen on this Arizona trip? We had the shaman, in the words of Meredith. Okay, she was number one. And then, of course, they saw them women on the horses. And I don't know that they really need to be glammed up to see them women on the horses. And the what were they wearing? The Dolce? or I don't remember what it was. They were in some outfit from a 2007 fashion show that Lisa Barlow's obsessed with. So they saw the horses and the women on the horses. And then that's about it. So, like, what do we need the glam teams for? And also, by the way, Jen Shah, of all people, shouldn't be paying for the glam team because you should save the coins. I'm sorry. I say again, like I said last week on the show, we need Susie Orman on here to give them some money advice because Jen Shah, I'm sorry, just maybe shouldn't be paying for the glam because I know the Bravo's not paying for the glam. Heather's doing her own makeup. She's sitting putting on the rouge on her own. Okay. Not to mention, it doesn't matter what you have on your face. You're going to look good in comparison to that fucking house you're staying in. It doesn't matter. You could show up in clown makeup and you'd look good compared to the decorations on that fucking house. <laughs> in that house. No, Meredith was doing her glam team. Literally, remember I said on the show last week, I said, in the preview, it looked like Meredith had the 1998 haircut. And I don't know how else to explain it, but the glam team gave her that 1998 hair. And I believe it to be because they were influenced by the home that they're in. And I think that it doesn't matter if these women had on rouge at the wazoo or if they were no makeup at all, they'd still look stunning in comparison to that living room and kitchen that they got to stay in. Because that house, I mean, it's one of the worst houses they've ever one of the worst houses I've ever seen on a cast trip from the housewives. So it doesn't matter. They don't need the glam. They should be saving their money of all places. I understand. You know, sometimes the housewives, they go to the really glamorous vacation, right? Especially Beverly Hills. Sometimes they go to really, they go to Aspen. Remember in the Aspen, even Kyle's small house was very nice. But then the other gals were at that nice, gorgeous, big house. And so I get it. Like you're in a nice, modern, kind of cozy house in Aspen. You might want to look a little glamorous, but when you're at this fucking Scottsdale, Arizona house, you could put on, you could rub something on your face from the grass, just rub grass on your face and give you a little green tint and you look great. It doesn't even matter. You could just rub your face in whatever you see around you. doesn't matter because you're going to look good in comparison to that house. Anyway, they're all doing their thing. And Heather walks into Meredith and she's like, you need to stop being a condescending superior bitch. And I actually am agreeing with Heather in this moment, even though in real life, okay, let me make this distinction. If this was real life and I was Meredith, I say again, I would never want to forgive Lisa Barlow. I'm sorry. I would maybe forgive, but I just would never speak to her again, right? Like I might get over it and I'd forgive for my own peace of mind. But I certainly wouldn't want to be friends with someone like that again. I'd just be like, well, they called me a garbage whore, fucked half of New York, said my husband can't hold on a job. Don't need to be friends with them no more. But for the sake of the show, I do think that eventually Meredith is going to have to just accept the apology, move on. Otherwise, we're going to get in this audience standstill where we're on a hamster wheel and we're just going over and over again the same stuff. We're not moving storylines forward. And so I think that's what Heather is trying to tell Meredith. Like, hey, stop doing this because we need to move on. Otherwise, the audience is going to get tired. So that's what I think is happening. And I don't think Meredith is wrong here. I think Lisa's in the wrong. But I do think that we just have to accept it. Then we cut to, uh-oh, 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 uh-oh sit tight, little bear. Then we cut to... The party bike. That's right. I hear the driver. He yells, all aboard the Gen Shock Express. He renamed that. What do you call that? Where they pedal and drink? I mean, we've seen that too many times on the outside, right? We're going to have to retire this where you have to pedal yourself. I'm not interested in pedaling myself anyway. Like if I'm on a vacation and if the vacation is as bad as the Scottsdale, Arizona house from 98, then I certainly don't want to be pedaling on the day. It's hot there, too. I just don't want to be pedaling. And they're all doing it. I think we saw this on Jersey. We've seen it elsewhere. And I'm just not... I think we need to retire with the axe throwing. It's been one too many times. They all got to pedal. And that man, I I love the man, the driver. I don't remember his name. Was it Ken? I'm not sure. I didn't write it down. Unclear. Anyway, he's really excited. He's yelling, everybody pedal, pedal, pedal. And I thought, give him a pedal tongue class because he's someone who should be up there with our Cody Rigsby. I mean, this man... He was auditioning for Peloton, and I would just like to someone from Peloton to reach out. I think Peloton's a sponsor of Everything Iconic, so Peloton, if you're listening, go and reach out to this man. I don't know his name, but I'd like to get him out of that Scottsdale, Arizona 
pedaling business, and I'd like him to pedal on over to the Peloton bike because that's where he belongs. He's a star. He's a star. He was just getting them gals drunk. And meanwhile, Whitney's, he's driving while Whitney Wild Rose is upside down on the pole. And Jen Shaw is pouring alcohol in her Meredith Grey. Just pouring the old rosé over, over her Meredith Grey and Lisa's bubbies. And they're all like the most insane scene I've ever seen in the house. And this scene happened so quickly. Nothing really dramatic happened. But I do believe that if it was any other franchise, we would have all been like, what the fuck just happened? And the fact that it was Salt Lake City, I think we all moved past it too quickly because it was fucking nuts. I mean, they were all trying to have like a good television, like they were trying to give us good TV. And I actually think that's why this trip has been so good at the Scottsdale, Arizona house is because I think they lost that Jenny woman, right? At the, right before filming, Mary Cosby's not back. And so these women were going into the season like, uh oh, we only have five of us. Like we're all going to really have to bring it. And so I think the gals got together and they made like a pact with each other and they said, we got to bring it because we're, lo- we're down two gals. And we're not sure what's going on with the cast, so we need to all bring it. And so this was an example, this party bike scene where they're just throwing these cheap champagne or cheap rosé or whatever at each other. Meredith and Lisa passive-aggressively throwing cheap wine at each other. I mean, it was truly insane. And I just think we need to touch down on it for a while because I couldn't believe when Whitney was upside down. When she was uh, upside down. I don't know other way to say it. And Jen Shaw was just pouring it up the skirt. I mean, that was something that was truly, uh, what? What? What was going on? What was going on? I mean, I've never seen anyone do that. And I've had parties with people, but I believe that was a reaction of the camera of like, the cameras are on us and there wasn't really like drama happening. And so they were like, we need attention and we need to do something so that this airs. And then they were like, well, let's just go upside down and go, go, is it vertical and just pour some cheap rosé up. Whitney Wild Rose's skirt. Let's see what happens. And they did. And over Lisa's bubbies. And it was, I was just thinking about sticky they probably were because it wasn't like expensive. It wasn't like they were pouring expensive champagne. It was like those cans of cheap rose. And I was like, uh oh, this was be all sticky. That's all I was thinking about the whole time I was like, I would need to be hosed down immediately. And instead, they just went to see horses. And I was thinking, imagine how dirty they must have felt by the end of the day. When I'm around a horse, my allergies go insane from all that horse hair and everything. So not only are they covered in like sticky alcohol, but then they're in a farm or a horse place and they're putting on used clothes that Lisa just had a rack of clothes and was like, put on this dress. I'd be like, fuck no, I'm not putting on somebody's dress. I'm sticky with champagne or rosé or the fuck they you poured up my wazoo. So I certainly wouldn't be putting on some old dress. And I know it looked like clean or whatever, but it's still, I just wouldn't have put on a new outfit. I would have been like, I need a shower fully clean. Maybe they did in between and I just missed it. I mean, I know they don't normally show the women showering unless they're Ramona on Ultimate Girls Trip Season 1. But uh, the point is... I think that it, they must have felt gross by the end of this whole day. The end of the whole day, it was... Anyway, this Dior rodeo. Shall we talk about this Dior rodeo? I mean, okay. So Lisa says, horses have always been healing for me, so maybe this will be a great bonding experience. And then they see... <laughs> then they see the horses. And they're watching... Like, I've never seen anything like this. Like, synchronized horses. I mean, these activities... I know I just talked a bunch of shit about that pedal bike thing that they did. But the activities they do on Salt Lake, like, I really love how absurd they are. Like, we're just going to watch synchronized horses. And it makes me feel like the producers on Salt Lake City, they are just operating at a, a much higher level than on the other ones. Because although we might get something like the pedal biking, which has been done ad nauseum, at least we're also getting, like, synchronized horses, which is something I've never seen. Have you ever seen Vicky Gumbelson watching a synchronized horse? I certainly have not. And so they're giving us something new and different amongst all the other things that we've seen a million times, right? So I'm really just proud of them. And I just think the other producers, they need to sit tight and figure out, make a list of all the things that we haven't seen on these shows and figure it out. Because if Salt Lake City can give us this Dior rodeo with synchronized horses and all the gals are watching, they're like, wow. And 
They're like, wow, look how cool this is. But then I didn't understand the Dior. I felt like I missed something with them Dior fashions. And I didn't even know what the fuck they were saying. But Meredith was pretending that she did, uh, she didn't spread the rumors. I mean, Meredith and Whitney Wild Rose are like, Anna, they're both pr- trying to pretend like they didn't spread these rumors, which it's so clear that they did. Remember last week on the show or two weeks ago, they sat down together and they're like, yeah, Lisa sells Vita Tequila, uh, gets sexual favors for Vita Tequila. Anyway, Whitney didn't get on the horse. She just walked next to the horse. She walked next to it because she just, she didn't want to fill, she didn't want to have any horse villains between her. <laughs> she was probably too sticky. I mean, and God bless, because I wouldn't want to, if I was that horse, I wouldn't want Whitney Wild Rose's rosé-soaked legs uh, straddling me. That'd be the last thing I'd want as a horse. And I know they can't always talk, save for Mr. Ed, but I think that if any of those horses saw Whitney Wild Rose, they'd want to run the other way. So I actually think there was like some sort of, I can't, I don't know how you'd explain it, like a spiritual connection between the horse that Whitney was with. And I think the horse, you know how you could do like telekinesis or something, or like, I don't know what the term is where you can communicate with each other via the mind. I feel like that's what the horse did to Whitney Wild Rose and was like, don't ride me. You know, that's what the horse was saying, telekinesisly or whatever the fuck you call it. <laughs> the horse is like, don't ride me. Don't ride me. Like, I feel like that's what happened because the horse probably knew instinctively that her hoo-ha was covered in that babe rosé or whatever the fuck they were drinking on that pedal bike with that young man. So the horse, that was a smart horse, but Whitney didn't have to... She didn't fill the horse between the legs. She, she had her fillings next to the horse. She was walking with the horse. <laughs> and so the horse didn't have to hill. He didn't have to do any hilling afterwards from all the dirty rosé that was on in betwixt her legs. We have to take a quick break. Here we'll be back with much more of The Real Houses of Salt Lake City. Find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Also, thank you to ACAST. We'll be right back. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered showerhead. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, my listeners can use code EVERYTHINGICONIC, all together one word, at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. This episode is sponsored by Los Angeles Tourism. Y'all know I'm from the Midwest, but I've lived in California for so long, and I truly do love it here in LA. There's so much to do. My parents were just in town and said the same thing, because we always have something to do when they visit. There's so much good food and drink here. There's lots of pop-ups, rooftop bars, year-round alfresco dining. I love being able to eat outside here all the time, but they really have so many different food options uh, that you can get all the time. Tons of great shopping and fashion. Uh, They just opened up a new shopping center right across the street from where we live. And it's just fantastic to be able to walk there. I love that. I love having the sun. I love the attractions, the studios, the lifestyle. You get all the Hollywood pop culture stuff that I certainly love so much. Uh, And also, you just get the wonderful weather. It's really a fantastic place. So I want to encourage you all to head to discoverla.com. Again, need more ideas for your next visit? Just head to discoverla.com. Ever since I saw Clueless, I wanted to have the most amazing wardrobe, and that includes all of the clothes inside the wardrobe closet, and that's why I'm excited to talk to you about Quince. Now, Quince has you covered with truly timeless pieces that never go out of style. You'll have them in your closet forever. Quince has 
all sorts of must-haves. I'm talking uh, Mongolian cashmere crew neck sweaters from $50. I have a blue cashmere crew neck sweater I got from them that I get so many compliments on all the time. I love it. Plus, iconic 100% leather jackets and versatile flow-knit activewear. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes us savings all over to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. Love that. Makes you feel good about shopping with Quince. Uh, again, I've gotten a lot of stuff there. Just uh, good quality pieces and a lot of different options if you're looking to upgrade your wardrobe. So indulge in the affordable luxury. Go to Quince.com slash iconic for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash iconic to Get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash iconic. Anyway, then we see all the gals uh, glamming for the garbage or lingerie party. Now, Jen says to her makeup artist, look, like I can't take all the credit for the garbage or lingerie party because it was actually Lisa who says it. And so she was explaining to the makeup artist, like Lisa actually said it behind a hot mic. And so that's why we're doing it. Now, Whitney says she wants to break the cycle, so she decides to tell Lisa about the Meredith conversation that they had. Meanwhile, the women are dressed totally insane. Totally insane. Meredith shows up in an I Love New York hat. Taylor's old as time. And she's just really leaning into this fucking half of New York bit because we saw her in the confessional a couple weeks ago where she's got the I Love New York mug. And now she's showing up, Bubby's out, with the New York hat on for the garbage or lingerie party. I mean, she's really leaning in, and I got to give her that. It's funny. And they keep showing how she fucked half of New York. They keep showing that clip, like Lisa saying, she fucked half of New York. And then Lisa just shows up in pajamas, just in pajamas. She's like, I feel sexy in this. And it's just, that would have been me. I really related to her then, especially if I was on camera. I mean, I'm not someone who's going to be nude all the time anyway, but particularly if I was going to be on the Bravo Network, I certainly wouldn't feel comfortable dressing with uh, everything out. I just would, I would have been like so self-conscious the whole time I was filming. I mean, I wouldn't feel right. And not that these women shouldn't feel right, because they all have beautiful, stunning bodies, perfect bodies. I'm just saying, me personally, I would have showed up in the long pajamas. I would have been, like, fully covered. I would have been, like, those uh, family Christmas morning pajamas, like, just flannel. They would have been, like, garbage or lingerie party, but Dan would have just been in, like, some Mickey Mouse t-shirt or Super Mario Brothers uh, pajama bottoms from Target. (laughs) Like that's what I would have worn to the garbage or party because I just don't know on camera. I don't know that I would have been able to do it. But Whitney has got like the butt is out. She looks amazing. I mean, again, these women, their bodies look amazing, but it's insane that they're just doing it just on camera for each other. And not that they should be doing it for men either, by the way. I'm just saying it's like, so at least if it was like a big party, you know, if if this was a big function where tons of people were showing up, it was a big laundry party or a Halloween party or something like that, it feels right to me. But for the fact that it's just five women being like, let's dress in our sexiest lingerie and then Lisa in her pajama, pajama bottoms. Anyway, Whitney says Meredith put her in the middle of all the rumors, but we've seen that Whitney's lying, and she's getting drunk, and I'm loving it. I think she's infuriating, like if I was one of the women, but I'm loving watching her because she's just sort of drunk, and she talks about this thing that I don't think they showed it to us when Meredith and Whitney sat down, but there was a flashback to Whitney talking about her friend, uh, who was being swayed to invest in Vita Tequila. And then we learned something about Angie H and Jazz Game Seats. Now, I don't know how to relay the exact information about what they were talking about. Don't know what the fuck they were saying. Something about court-sized jazz seats. But I don't understand the logistics of like what Lisa exactly was being accused of, other than it was like some sexual favors, but then I just didn't understand like where the court-sized jazz seats were coming. I don't know. I don't know. But Whitney says to the group, I don't feel like I can authentically move forward because I feel bad. And she's like, Meredith, you need to say it. You need to say it. And Whitney's like, I'm coming from a place of strength. And she says, everyone is used to me being Nancy Drew, and I don't want to know anymore. I don't want to know anymore. And Whitney's totally nuts. I mean, Whitney's nuts. She storms inside, and she's like, I'm done with the bullshit. I'm done with the bullshit. I'm tired of being Nancy Drew. I'm done with the fucking bullshit. And I was like, Whitney, what is going on with you? (laughs) 
You made this whole thing. Like you riled everybody up and now you're riling yourself up. Like it's really, it's giving and I love it. I, but it's insane. It's insane. She's just storming into that house. Like I'm tired of being Nancy Drew out of my way. Everyone shut up. Let me get it out of my, let me tell you how it is. I don't want to know more. <laughs> Whitney, like calm it down. Calm it down. She says she's having a hard time because Lisa, she says, we have a real friendship. I feel, (laughs) she says, I feel so conflicted because I've talked to Meredith about rumors about you. Meredith brought them up though. She came to me and I feel like I'm in the middle. She feels like she's in the middle. And then Lisa's like, I'm in shock. Like, wow, wow. I thought marriage and family were off limits. And then Heather, God bless Heather Gay. I mean, she was just giving me so many moments this episode. I mean, I was obsessed with Heather Gay. This was, to me, peak Heather Gay. Because not only were they about to start fighting, like Whitney was trying to get this all popping off immediately. And Heather's like, okay, slow it down. We need to get the food out first. And I was like, God bless you, Heather. God bless Heather Gay for being like, let's slow it down. Let's get the meals out. Because they were having steak and salmon, all sorts of stuff. They had that beautiful tray of greens they were putting in the oven or something. They saw earlier when Whitney Wild Rose was put in the oven because I was diverting my eyes from her bare ass. Because, you know, that's, that's not something I need to see. Show me a dick or something on screen, I'll be looking. But Whitney Wild Rose's bare ass, not something I need to see. And so I was looking at the greens she was putting in the oven, and they look delicious. And so Heather's like, we can get this popping, but let's wait until the food's up. Because with housewives, you know that once it gets popping, we can't scale it back. We just can't. And then so people are storming out, and then they miss their meals. And so I would be the same way, like, get, let's get the food out, and then you can all rip each other's heads out. But let's first get the food on the table so that I'm not going to bed hungry. Anyway, so then they they bleeped this thing about the jazz tickets. At least in my viewing of it, they bleeped the something some man who has the jazz tickets. And Whitney's like, "I'm not the one who started this whole thing." But they she was. She was she told Meredith this whole thing. And Meredith's like, "Well, I've heard rumors and I said I heard rumors, but not that specific one." And then Heather being the voice of reason, she says, "Well, uh, blow blow jobs, blowies for jazz tickets." I mean, that's a stretch. She says it's not Lakers tickets next to Jack Nicholson. So why would you, why would you give blowjobs for jazz tickets? Like you would do it for Lakers, for Knicks. You do it for some other you know, Disney on Ice. I don't know. I don't know. Taylor's oldest time. But you wouldn't do it for Utah jazz tickets. She's trying to say like it's a thing. But otherwise, Heather says she's ready to give a blowjob for what she's got to do. And she says that later on in the episode, she's like, "You give a blowjob." She said she'd do it for a hamburger, and I thought, "Me too." I mean, honestly, I got TMJ, but sometimes if you want something bad enough, I'd be like, whatever, do what you got to do. Sorry to say. But Lisa says, do you feel good? Do you guys feel good? Like, hurt me more, hurt me more. And Lisa's loving this because now she gets to play the victim, which is the role that all of these women ultimately want to play, right? Like, if they were in an audition, the role that they all be up for is victim because that's the that's where the housewife is most comfortable. They always want to be the victim. They want to be the aggressor, and then they want to immediately be the victim after that. That's the place they all want to go. Then Jen Shaw says uh, in her confessional, y'all are fighting for courtside jazz tickets, and I'm fighting for my life. And who's a garbage whore and who's not? You're fighting over that? And Jen Shaw, I mean, I'm sorry. She's just giving me flawless interview bites. She's turning around on herself throughout the whole episode. She says it's about me and not shouldn't be about this. Jen Shaw's doing flawless housewifery. And I hate to say that because, yes, she did bamboozle the elderly. And I do not support that. I do not support that. And I know that that's wrong. And I'm learning that. Learning you were wrong. Learning that I was wrong about that. But it is what it is. I got to live my truth. And I get in trouble every week. Every week, you guys yell at me when I say something nice about Jen Shah, and I'm not proud of it, but I'm here to give my opinion, and so this is my opinion, and so uh, I know it's not good, and I'm not proud of it. Meredith said she heard Lisa talking shit about her for years, though, and Heather's like, we just need to breathe, we just, everyone needs to breathe, because it was all, everyone is getting too hyped too quickly. So Lisa starts screaming, and obviously these women don't like each other at all, but she says, uh, I just... I just really don't know how much more I can take. I've taken the brunt of so much. All I have is John, Jack, and Henry. That's all I have. I need to call my husband. And so she's loving it. She runs away and gets to be the victim. Because especially, she's been the one that everyone hates so far this season. And so now that the tables have turned and Lisa is thinking in her head, 
she's running off to call the husband, but I think it's a celebratory call because even though she was acting like she was so upset, in her head, you know that Lisa was just like, oh my God, this is so good for me because she thought she was going into season three going to be the villain because she called her best friend Meredith the 10 years of garbage or fucked half in New York, the husband can't keep a job. So now going into the season, she expected everybody to hate her, rightfully so, because she was a monster on the hot mic. And yet... And yet, now she's turned it around and made herself the victim for the rest of the season. It's beautiful work. Beautiful work, Lisa. And so she's running off like, all I have is John, Jack, and Henry. i got to get out of here and call my husband. Really, she's going to fucking call up that husband of hers who's just waiting around because I don't think he's going to job, ladies and right. But she's going to call and be like, guess what, John? I'm the victim now. Like, this whole season's going to be about me being the victim. She won. She won, and I'm proud of her. I'm proud of her. Just good for you, Lisa. I like her. I like her, and I'm happy about it. So she storms out. Heather started seemingly crying for a minute. Like, I think she was getting teared up, but it was also hard to tell because I think they were all getting drunk. Like, I think by this point, they were blasted, blasted. And so Jen then turns it around about herself because she's realizing she needs to be the victim this season because she thought that that's what all the other women were doing at this 1998 Scottsdale, Arizona house was making this whole event, this cast trip about Jen Shaw being the victim, even though she's pled guilty to the crimes of bamboozling the elderly. But she says, all I have is my fucking family and kids. Everything has been taken away from me. So she's pissed that Lisa's saying that all she's got is John, Jack and Henry. And Jen's like, I don't have nothing. She's like, I'm going to prison, she's basically saying. And she probably is. And then they're mad at Whitney. They turn around to Whitney and say, Whitney created all this confusion. Meredith goes to tell Lisa she didn't say nothing specific about rumors. And it's all happening while they're wearing garbage or lingerie. And Whitney keeps lying. And Whitney tried to pause everything for a minute. She's like, can we just have a mental health pause for a second? And I was like, Whitney, what? <laughs> I love Whitney. I hated her for a minute, and now I'm just like, I love her. I love her. She's my fave, and she's fucking nuts. <laughs> They're all fucking nuts. And when I say she's my fave, I really mean each one of them is, because I can make the argument for any one of these gals at any given moment. If gun to my head, if somebody was like, hey, why do you love Lisa? I'd be like, okay, I'm ready. She loves Taco Bell. She's a Diet Coke drinking gal. And she knows how to turn around and be a victim. She called her best friend a 10 years of garbage whore. Her husband can't keep a job. Fucked half in New York. And she's great TV. And then if they said Heather Gay, I'd say she'd give blowjob for a hamburger. I relate to that. And she is stunning. And I love her. So really, I could do it for any of them. And so I'm proud of them all. Lisa, meanwhile, she says she absorbed. Okay. If you're driving, pull over, because this is actually going to be tough to hear. And so this was a direct quote from Lisa Barlow. I'm an empath. I absorb it all. Now, I am... Okay, this is going to be a controversial thing for me to say. And I've said on this podcast before that I believe that I am an empath as well. And yet, I think people say that they're empaths too much, myself included. Because nowadays, I feel like everybody says, oh, I'm an empath. Myself included. I'm sure if you go back to the archives, you'd be like, Danny, you said you're an empath a hundred fucking times. Icons, did you ever watch True Blood? I was obsessed. I thought the men on that show, Alexander Skarsgård, Ryan Quanten, I was in love with him when that show was airing. And I thought it was just so good. And so that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the new season of the Truest Blood podcast. The Truest Blood podcast is fantastic. If you haven't listened before, it's hosts Kristen Bauer and Deborah Ann Wall who rewatch and tell true stories from the set of HBO's iconic series, True Blood. They discuss the episodes, the blood, both fake and real, and all the sexy bites in between. In this season of the podcast, they cover seasons three and four of True Blood, uh, where there's more werewolves, witches, and vampire royalty on the show. Plus, I have really great people who worked behind the scenes of the show coming on and talking about the show. Lots of that to come. I think we're all pop culture junkies here. And one of the things that I love about pop culture is seeing how the sausage is made. And so I think that's why we're all going to be so excited to listen to the Truest Blood podcast. So check it out. uh, And also check out the show True Blood. Watch all episodes of True Blood on Max and listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Icons, 
I'm sure I've mentioned this many a time on the show, but I use DoorDash all the time, and I'm sure so many of you are right there with me. When you need a meal, you hop on DoorDash. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about DoorDash's Dash Pass. It's the most affordable way to get anything in your area delivered to your door, helping you save lots of money, lots of time with every one of your DoorDash orders. So it's really a big saver with $0 delivery fees and lower service fees on your eligible orders. Dash Pass makes it super easy to save on restaurants or retail items, groceries, all your local favorites that deliver on DoorDash. Because I don't just get my meals. I also get a lot of groceries. You can get, again, retail items, local stuff. Dash Pass, too, pays for itself in just two orders on average, making delivery even more worth it. Plus, Dash Pass gives you special access to exclusive promotions, member-only menu items, all for just $9.99 a month. So get more from your delivery for less. Sign up for Dash Pass today only on DoorDash. Use code ICONIC24. That's ICONIC24 and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for Dash Pass. Subject to change, terms apply. Again, use code ICONIC24 and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for Dash Pass. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. And I'd say, yes, you're right. But it feels like everybody is doing the empath work now. Everyone, even Lisa Barlow, the last person on earth I'd say is an empath. I mean, certainly she called her best friend of 10 years. I'm sorry to keep saying it. Repeat it. Garbage or behind the mic. Husband can't hold a job. Fucked half in New York. I don't think those are the qualities of an empath. As an empath myself, I don't believe that a real empath would say those things because they would feel empathetic to their friend of 10 years for saying those things. Do you get what I mean? I feel like it's a little contradictory. So of all the people on this cast, if I'm going to rate them, I'm going to make a list. Lisa, Meredith, Whitney Wild Rose. I mean, the whole kit and caboodle. If I'm making a list, who am I going to say is the biggest empath? I'd say the biggest empath was Heather. That'd be my guess if I had to rank them. Certainly Lisa would be at the bottom of that totem pole. Maybe Jen Shaw, because I don't think he could also be an empath while bamboozling the elderly. Call me crazy. But I'd say maybe like Jen Shah are at the bottom for that one. I just think they would be at the low end of the list. Anyway, she says she's an empath. Meredith says, Lisa runs off to the room and Meredith's like, I'll check on her in four minutes. And I love the idea of like, just we're going to wait four minutes, set the clock, four whole minutes. And then Meredith says, you said you heard she was in fact a whore. She says to Whitney Wild Rose. And then... Heather says, again, being a voice of the people, she says, what if Lisa is a whore? What if she does blowjobs for Vita Tequila? I'd give a blowjob for a burger. My bar is low. And that's uh, what I've been waiting for somebody to say this whole season. <laughs> she's a business scale. She's got a, she's a business scale. A business scale. If I've learned anything from those TikToks of Bethany Frankel that are in my feed every goddamn second, it's that, <laughs> it's that business scale's got to do what a business scale's got to do. Anyway, this all happened at a New Year's Eve jazz game. Heather says she didn't hear this. It was Angie K or Angie H or I don't know what the fuck, which Angie it was, but somebody, one of the Angies was talking about this at the Utah jazz game. And Whitney's like, I stood courtside at the jazz game and she told us that. And then I think Heather said, you were two rows back. And so they're arguing about which row they were in at the Utah jazz game. And then Heather says, I didn't hear that. And if I did, I would fuck too, because I love sitting courtside. Fuck you for calling me a fucking liar. Fuck you. Taylor's oldest time. Taylor's oldest time. People fucking for courtside seats. I mean, who among us? Who among us are here to judge? May God judge us. Isn't that the saying? I don't remember, but I feel like that's the saying. Let God judge. So I'm not here to judge whoever wants to fuck somebody for courtside jazz tickets. I'm with Heather Gay on that one. Uh, yeah, if you got, want to sit courtside, you do what you got to do. If you want to get your Vita tequila in the bar, I'm not here to judge. I've seen people do way worse. Ladies and right. Anyway, then Whitney says, fuck me because I love to be fucked. And that's how it ends. 
that's how to, to be continued flawless television. I can't believe that we're lucky enough to be in this era of perfection. Perfect TV. And I just want to say to the gals, God bless. God bless. And God is judging you. And you know what God's saying? She's saying, good job, ladies. You deserve a raise. I don't know if Andy Cohen's listening to this. Anyone at Bravo can give these gals a raise, but they deserve it. I don't know. Give them a bonus or something. Is there like a bonus for talking about blowjobs and jazz tickets? Because I feel like that should be in the contracts. Maybe moving forward, it's just one line. Like if we can make a whole fight out about giving blowjobs for Utah jazz courtside tickets, then we get a bonus. That's when the bonuses are enacted, right? You get an extra thousand bucks or something. I'm not sure. Or just maybe free glam for the week or uh, some merch. Maybe get some some Bravo merch, some t-shirts or some old DVDs of the Real Houses in New York. Remember they used to sell the DVD sets at Target? I'm sure they got a bunch of those laying around a warehouse somewhere. What do they got to do with those? People don't even own a DVD player anymore. Let's get the gals uh, the bonus and you get a bunch of DVDs. From the Target collection of the Bravo DVD collection. That's what I think we need. The To Be Continued, I didn't see on my copy of this show. I didn't see uh, any scenes from next week. So I don't know what happens next week other than the show keeps getting better, I assume. Because uh, if there's one thing I've learned, it's that the show can keep getting better. And I was wrong because I was going into the season maybe thinking a little bit like they only had five women. It wouldn't be as good. But I was wrong. Learning you were wrong. I was wrong. Okay, that's the episode. I love you all so much for listening. I do want to say that the schedule is going to be a little different this week. So I'm not going to be covering Potomac, but I do have a great episode all about Bravo stuff with some great guests coming this weekend on Sunday night. And then next week, I think I might be off on Wednesday, but then we'll be back and better than ever. So sit tight, little bear, and stay tuned to the podcast feed for all the updates. Subscribe, follow wherever you listen. It helps a lot too, by the way. If you don't do that, it really helps. So just click the subscribe or follow button. If you listen to Spotify or on the Apple Podcast app, wherever you listen, just click that button because it really helps us out a lot with the ads and all of that kind of good stuff. So I know it's a pain in the butt and it's like an extra step to do. And I get it if you don't want to do it. I mean, I whatever. Don't do it if you don't want to do it. But it would really help me out a lot, so I'd love you forever. By the way, also helping me out a lot, everythingiconic.store. Get the book. Sign copies at everythingiconic.store, or you can get it from the web, uh, from the Amazon, or wherever you get your books, independent bookstore. That said, let's do our breathing exercises. Let's take a deep breath in. Hold it. Breathe out. Wow. Yeah, needed that breath. Like the gals did in the middle of this episode when they said, let's all take a deep breath. I think somebody stopped the argument and said, let's take a deep breath. Whitney said it. She said, we need a mental health pause. Let's take our mental health pause. Let's take a deep breath in. Let's do some healing. <laughs> Breathe out. <laughs> do you feel like you healed? So if you healed, I want you to let out all the bad feelings and feel healed. And may you all go forth healed with good feelings. And I love you all. <laughs> I love you all so much for listening. And oh, go listen to some Angela Lansbury. Go watch an Angela Lansbury performance somewhere. And just, I think it's important that we lose these legends all the time. And there's, it's unfortunate that we lose a lot of people that we love and who've given us so much. But I think one of the great things about pop culture is these people who've passed, they live on through their work. And so, Angela Lansbury, I mentioned B. Arthur earlier, who was good friends with Angela Lansbury, and I've been rewatching The Golden Girls, so I feel like that's why B is always on my mind, even though I feel like I'm basically always rewatching The Golden Girls. Uh, and then Betty White, who recently passed as well, she had, um, I, it was online, like they were auctioning off everything at her house, and I spent the one night in bed you could see all the auction items and it was all of Betty's stuff. Like they were auctioning off every item that she had in her house. And I wanted to buy stuff, but it was also very expensive. And uh, it made me kind of sad though. And I just think we collect things. And then at the end of your life, if it's not passed down, it just sort of goes into the ether, gets auctioned off for anyone to have. But in terms of these pop culture legends, it's also pretty amazing that their work can live on and we can tune into the Golden Girls. We can watch an old episode of Murder, She Wrote or listen to Tales Old as Time or something like that and and just relive their work. And I think any entertainer, any person that puts out art or work or content or whatever you want to call it, I think that that would be the ultimate thing is to just know that audiences can still enjoy your work and that you did something 
that uh, people will enjoy for years and years to come. And Angela Lansbury certainly did that. A queen and icon and a legend. And I loved her. And uh, and so, yeah, go check out some, some of her work or some of her art. Love you all so much for listening. And we'll be back um, whenever we are. <laughs> Love you all. Stay held.